Good morning. We've uh, had some technical difficulties with the Wi-Fi. AT&T is down, so I'm using my iPhone. Hopefully, you guys can hear me all right. And Logan's going to join soon and uh, read off your questions. Uh, let me see. How do I see you guys on my sidebar? All right. I'm scared to push any buttons and disconnect by mistake. So uh, I'll wait for Logan to join. All right. I think we're going to go. All right. And there's Logan. What's going on, everyone? Uh, so we'll do it a little bit different today. Um, and I'll go ahead and start pulling up questions and just go ahead and read them off. Let's see who is opt in here first, though. Uh, let me see. How do I see you guys on my slide? Oh. All right. I'm scared to push any buttons and disconnect by mistake. So uh, I'll I'm wait hearing for myself the there. Going. <laughs> oh. Makes sense. I thought that was you talking. All right, we're going to go now. Okay. All right. Sorry, guys. A uh, little learning curve with this new setup. <laughs> okay, so um, first question we got for the week is from Magnus. He uh -huh. says, property, at what level of population density do you start to loosen up on your medium income criteria? For instance, if I see a medium income of 40,000 and 22,000 people in a one-mile radius, is this sufficient? I know you typically prefer higher income demographics, but isn't the approximately the same amount of skin power in the area as a median income of 80,000 and 11,000 people? Well, that's a great question, Magnus. Uh, it's all relevant. Uh, I like to be above uh, the US average, but you know, it's all relevant. If the property is priced 20 bucks a foot um, and you're buying it at a 10 cap, uh, so what if the median income is 40,000 and not 60,000, which is the U.S. average? Uh, so it's all relevant. I, I like to be above 60,000 only because, uh, you know, typically you get a much better uh, increase in appreciation of the value, but it's all relevant. So if you can buy a property in an area that doesn't meet my threshold, but the price is 50 cents on a dollar compared to the comps, and also supply and demand matters on that a specific asset. So if there is an overbuilt of supply of office and the vacancies are 50% across the board in that sub market, I would stay away from it, uh, even if it's 20 bucks a foot. So it, it's not just a, a black and white. It, uh, it, it does, um, you know, you do have to look at the whole picture. All right. And then he said, I'm trying to buy another suburban office building, but the one part of the criteria that doesn't fit is demographics. So he said plenty of population density, a low income. So on a one mile, he's got 22,000 people at 38K medium income, and then three miles, 208,000 people at a 41,000 medium income. Again, uh, that doesn't bother me. Uh, most parts of Houston that I made millions of dollars in, uh, they were average 40,000 to 45,000, uh, you know, median income. And I bought properties for 20, 25 bucks a foot office building and solar for 50 bucks a foot. 
So again, uh, it's all relevant if you can buy a property, say an office building, low rise at 25 bucks a foot, at seven cap or eight cap on a 65, 70% occupancy, I would still buy it in those demographics. Awesome. All right, next question is from Nick. He said, can you please give your thoughts on this current market? And then followed it up by saying opportunities are very hard to come by. Absolutely, yeah. We're in a bit of a funk. Uh, there's too much liquidity chasing good assets. It's driving the cap rates down, which is why I was able to flip that Arizona building for a $2 million profit with almost doing not much of anything to the property. Um, you do want to buy opportunities that are not being chased. And those are office buildings uh, that have too high of a vacancy. Uh, there is retail buildings with a bulk vacancy. There is one uh, we, I just closed on Sunnyside um, in Wisconsin that had a 28,000 square feet former grocery store that went out. And uh, investors don't want to chase 50% occupied properties. They're all chasing uh, great credit, uh, fully stabilized assets, at, and they're willing to pay and uh, get a 7 8% return on their money because there's too much liquidity and they want to diversify. And inflation, uh, you know, definitely is apparent and they're nervous and they want to put their money in hard assets, which is real estate's the best way to hedge inflation. So, Nick, yeah, we are in a little bit of a funk, but there are opportunities out there. Uh, and you want to chase what people aren't chasing, which is office and big box retailers, any property that's got 50, 60% occupancy that you can go ahead in there and uh, go in there and reposition is what you want to look for. All right. And then just want to uh, say hey to Reza. We have Gregory in here, Benjamin, Alexander, Anna, and Amy. Appreciate y'all hopping in with us in the schedule this week. Bye, guys. All right. Uh, the next question from Nick, he said, let's say you found an office building with low price per foot, seven plus cap, and the value add component through leasing up. How do you know if the current market has demand for your asset? Uh, what was the last part of his question? How do you know if the current market has demand for your asset? Got it. Um, well, uh, you know, in every property, you have to take a look and see how can you add value? How can you reposition it? If it's not apparent what you can do to the property to turn it around, then I wouldn't be buying it. Um, you know, for the big bulk vacancy retail center we just bought, we've, uh, we're deciding to sub subdivide that bulk space because right now, no one's looking to lease 28,000 square feet retail. So we're gonna subdivide it. And there's also a CVS on the property that we're gonna out parcel so those are the type of uh, plans you have to envision for a property before you buy it. If you don't foresee any of those angles with the property you're considering to buy, I wouldn't be buying it. Um, now, there is uh, exceptions to that rule. It could be grossly mismanaged. Maybe the leasing broker tells you, hey, the landlord's owned it for 10 years. We brought four lease proposals. He didn't wanna spend the money, so we lost those deals. Well, I would, I would still buy that property because there is a deficiency you can fill, fulfill. But all in all, if you find the office building at seven cap, 60, 65% occupancy, uh, price per foot is low, I would go ahead and buy it if 
uh, you can improve the those deficiencies. You know, if there's it's mismanaged, the landlords out of money, things of that nature. So uh, there's a lot of ways you gotta uh, underwrite the property, but those are some. Awesome. And then our next question is from Benjamin. He said, mm -hmm. I'm looking for some good modern books to read concerning real estate investing, commercial or otherwise. Do you have any suggestions for books or authors? And also with non-real estate suggestions. This is in regards to books? Yes. I don't read any books. <laughs> I've written two books. Um, I like The Art of the Deal by Trump. He wrote it in, I think, 1971 or 1974. Um, I only like that because he uh, sought after properties that uh, was absolutely run down and uh, high crime and a lot of homeless people. And they he turned around those properties and he convinced the city to give him a lot of credit and grants. Um, I just like it from the challenge, uh, you know, uh, aspect of the challenge uh, he, he took to turn around in uh, properties in real estate and and make a lot of money but all in all uh really the, i mean the uh, if you read my book the contrarian academy and you're in this program i think you're getting the right education <laughs> yeah 100%. all right next question is from uh Amy. he said i was approached by a commercial builder about building his proposal is to build on my lot in one year lease the space and sell have you done such a deal and what are your thoughts at a high level? No, I've never done such thing. You're basically going to bed with somebody. Um, I don't recommend it uh, because a lot of things can go wrong. And uh, once you have somebody build on your property now, you're basically married and to get divorced is going to be very costly. <laughs> so unless they have a tenant in tow, let's say they have done this 10 times and they've been building out Rite Aids, CVS, um, you know, pharmacies and Walgreens, uh, we call it built to suit. If he's that type of a developer that brings the actual demand and the construction, I would definitely uh, take a uh, consideration at it. But if it's, uh, you know, let's build it, they will come. Uh, that's probably going to be uh, uh, not a great proposition. All right. Next question is from Watch Tech. He said, I own a six unit that cash flows $12,000 a year and pays down the debt $10,000 a year. So total return is about $22,000. I received mm -hmm. a offer to sell where I can make $45,000 profit after fees from selling in addition to my initial $55,000 I put down. Do you think it is worth to sell or should I hold in cash flow? Holy moly. So you put 55000 down and you're getting 22000 a year that includes 10000 principal pay down. That's unbelievable. That's like 30-40% uh, return. Let me see. 22 divided by 55. 40%. So if I'm getting 40% of my money and I could make 55000 or 45000 profit, that's a total of hundred grand out. Um, so basically, you're making twenty-two thousand on a hundred thousand dollar investment that includes your forty-five thousand profit plus the fifty-five you put in. That's twenty-two percent return. I would keep that puppy uh, because to replace that twenty-two percent is almost impossible in this market. <laughs> All right. And then next question is from Sam. He said, "In uh, your contrarian playbook, 
you mentioned that a good inspector is critical for due diligence. How do you yeah. find quality, reputable inspectors? Is it all through referral? And what do you do when you're buying a property in a state or area where you don't have a guy you trust? Great question, Sam. Um, well, if it's residential, there's a nation, uh, national company, Amarius Spec, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't used them in 20 years, but I know a lot of real estate investors use national companies. Uh, so I will look up Amerius Spec. Um, if it's a commercial property, there's another national company that I use. Um, these all have reputable, competent engineers they hire with many years of experience. So you always use a national firm. The second one, it would be AES. And um, I think I've shared those uh, websites with you guys before. If not, uh, Logan, I'll shoot them over to you. Again, you can post that to the Facebook group. Awesome. We, uh, we'll make sure to do that today. All right. Next question from Brad. He said, do you ever use local banks or do you always go to a broker? Well, I typically use a broker, I would say, nine out of ten times. Uh, local bank is one we used when my broker failed <laughs> to get us a loan on the Wisconsin deal. Um, my partner, I mean, uh, found a local bank. But... I would say go through a broker because the broker is motivated to get their origination fee on the deal and they're going to chase uh, and hammer on the credit officer at the bank or you know other lenders to uh, issue a term sheet so they'll babysit it's a long lengthy process and these banks are extremely busy right now so you need somebody that can pound them and you know, get your deal to the finish line. All right. And then he followed it up. He said, I've been trying to work with a local credit union for the last four months. The sales rep there has been telling me, yes, they can do the deal and would love to have our business in the area. I've submitted lots of docs, accounts, uh, been a very slow, long drawn process. And then Monday he tells me, unfortunately, he has spoken to his boss and they mm. can't do the deal as I do not reside in Indiana and I'm closed as an absentee owner. Complete waste of my time. Uh, just wondering what you've encountered in the past with local banks or credit unions. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what happens when you go direct with the bank. Um, they all tell you, yep, yeah, this fits our criteria. We like this market. We like you. And then it goes to their credit committee and somebody shuts it down. That's why it's good to go with a mortgage broker Mortgage broker will wet the deal out. They'll do a little write-up on you as a sponsor and the borrower. And uh, they go ahead and pitch you to many lenders. And then they get, you know, uh, five or six feelers out. Uh, and then they'll get, you know, back to you, say, okay, we got, you know, two banks that bite on it. Uh, we've closed with them before. They have a relationship. And that's why it's mortgage broker is very valuable when you start building your uh, credit history and experience owning commercial property. And once you have five, six, seven properties in your portfolio, it gets a much, much easier, guys. A lot easier. But yeah, at the beginning, not many people, you know, especially local banks want to bet on you. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and hop into the comments. Uh, first one is from Alexander. Uh, good morning. Good to see you here. He said, have you experienced problems with cash out refinance before 1031 or are there foreseeable problems? 
it seems like cash out refi costs maybe equity of my new 1031 property. Um, would it sometimes be better to do cash out refi after 1031 exchange to have greater equity coming into the new 1031 property and avoid refi costs before 1031? Uh, good question. Well, it all depends. Depends what's your loan to value, right? So let's say you're selling it, you bought a building for 2 million and you had put 30% down, which is 600 grand. So you owe 1.4 and the, you know, the, the value of the buildings gone up to 3 million after two years. Well, you're less than 50% uh, LTV. You have 1.4 divided by 3 million is less than 50%. You want to go ahead, push it up to at least 65% LTV. Uh, I would prefer to do that. And then when you do the 1031 exchange, it's going to be the same scenario. Hopefully you're buying a property that's value at, at 3.5 million, and it's going to be worth 5 million two years after that. So it's the, uh, it's the same process. Um, it's, you know, it's going to be, uh, at some point you may not need the cash. You don't need to do the cash out refinance, but, um, I've often found that I can make a lot more money than 3% interest I pay on the loan I'm pulling out. So it's, it's a great way to, um, you know, a scale. All right. Next question from Henry. I just learned about a deal from a lender on owner occupied commercial properties mm -hmm. with 0.99% interest first year and 2.99% rest of the loan. How good of a deal is this? Uh, repeat that again, Logan, you got cut off. Uh, yeah, so you said I just learned about a deal from a lender uh -huh. occupied commercial properties with 0.99% interest the first year and 2.99% rest of the loan. How good of a deal is this? Fantastic. I have never heard such a uh, of such deal. So <laughs> I would take it 1% uh, interest for first year and then 3% all day long. All right. Next question from Kevin. He said, Manny, going back to what you just said with inflation and people wanting to put their cash in hard assets like real estate, what do you think this, do you think this trend will change? Will the market cool down and what do you foresee? Honestly, I, <laughs> I, I've been wrong uh, over and over on, on the timing of uh, the Fed. Um, the Fed keeps to you know, having their foot on the gas pedal on uh, liquidity, uh, buying bonds every month. So I don't know. I mean, every time I uh, tell myself, okay, the Fed eventually is going to have to put the brakes on because of inflation, the Fed comes back, comes out and says there is no inflation of concern. So uh, we're in twilight zone, guys. I don't know. Um, at some point, it's going to have to stop. Otherwise, uh, inflation is going to go rampant and we're going to be in hyperinflation, which would be absolute disaster. Uh, but for time being, you got to roll with the punches. If the liquidity keeps increasing in the market and investors are chasing real estate, then find real estate so you can buy and flip. It's a flipping market right now. For residential, it has been for 18 months and now commercial is kicking in. All right. Sorry, I know they're looking for a straight answer, but nobody has a crystal ball, not even me. But it's apparent uh, that the market is going to have a bit of a momentum 
uh, with inflation for, for foreseeable future, probably for the next eight to 12 months. And if they keep continuing this, it could get really uh, even worse in terms of hyperinflation. Yeah. So we're still in the comments, guys. Um, if you have questions, go ahead, drop them in below. I know we have a few less people in questions this week because of the different schedule. Um, but I believe we have a, another one from Ali. He said, hi, Manny, could you please name one or two commercial brokers, uh, commercial mortgage brokers that you've worked with who do deals under 10 million? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Harris is one um uh, with black bear capital um i know i've shared his contact with you guys uh under 10 million you know newmark is good but they typically do larger deals i wouldn't say newmark would be a good uh good uh brokerage firm for smaller deals um i would say uh i have another uh, broker i used to use um i'll pull up his info and send it to you guys i don't do you know, the, the, the larger deals are obviously, you know, the, the bigger firm, CB Richard Ellis, uh, they have a capital office, Newmark is who I work with. But um, I'll send you another one uh, after the call uh, that I used to use when I did smaller deals. So I'll send you Brandon again, uh, Brandon's info. Cool. Yeah, we'll drop that in the group. And then um, you can also search his name in the group as well. It'll pop right up. All right. Uh, so David, he said, I got I got there late, uh, not sure what was covered, but what are your thoughts on Tesla banks closing and Wells Fargo closing down the personal line of credit? What does this foretell economically? Oh, what is my I, what are my views on Wells Fargo closing line of credits? Uh, yeah, Tesco's bank closed and then Wells Fargo closed personal line of credits. Yeah, I don't know. I was bummed because I opened my personal line of credit in 1992. It's only a $10,000 limit, which they never increased. But I was bummed when I got a letter that they're closing the line of credit down. I guess they want to focus, you know, line of credits are, uh, you know, it's it's a product that uh, uh, probably is kind of obsolete. Everyone's now using credit card and digital. Uh, even home line of credits are starting to uh, go away. I know Wells Fargo and I think BIA both discontinue doing HELOCs and home line of credit. But uh, frankly, I don't know. I mean, I'm not in banking industry, but uh, it seems to be there is streamlining and they want to have less product and just focus on market share. All right, next question from WashTech. He said, hi, Manny. Uh, what is the best way you would recommend learning about commercial retail leases? About commercial leases? Yeah, commercial retail leases. Uh-huh. Well, um, I don't know what you mean by like learning the different lease forms or the actual property, different type of properties. There is triple net, double net. There is modified uh, triple net. Uh, yeah, so WiseTech, if you can just post a comment with a little bit more clarity. We'll circle back to that one. Yeah. Google is your friend. You can always Google this stuff, guys, and it, it will pop different type of leases and what's the difference between each type of lease. 100%. All right. Another question from David. Where is the contact info of the mortgage broker shared? Okay. Well, 
I'm going to give it to you. You can post that to the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, that'll be in the Facebook group. And we're actively working on a resource for you guys as well. That'll be coming out very soon with basically every position and vendor that you would need to work with and uh, referrals or recommendations on how to find them, recommendations to companies. Um, so that'll be coming very soon. It'll be a, a big resource for you guys. Uh, Benjamin said hyperinflation versus deflation, which is better for domestic real estate? Oh, uh, deflation. <laughs> hyperinflation is not good. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then uh, John Williams said just flip the uh, MHP. I think that means multiple housing project for 200,000 profit by a referral. Awesome. Other brokers, which is a good way to source commercial flips. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys. Um, that's all the questions that we have. We'll give it another few seconds. Mobile Home Park, no mistake. Uh, we'll give it another few seconds for any other questions to come in. And if not, we'll go ahead and wrap it up right there. Awesome. And Logan, the other mortgage broker is Blake Melstrom and is Pacific Southwest Realty Services. And I can um, put his email and phone number. Well, we don't have internet. I was going to forward it to you. But just remind me to give you Blake Melstrom's uh, contact info. That's the other mortgage broker for a smaller deals. Okay. Yeah, he's the one that got me the loan and a couple of smaller retail properties I did. Awesome. Yeah, guys, we'll drop that in the group today. Yeah. All right. And then uh, last question is, how was COVID? Oh, man. <laughs> it wasn't fun, but uh, I got lucky. I got the mild version of it. And uh, I was actually good. Uh, you know, a couple of days, I had head congestion and some coughing. But uh, the past three days, uh, you know, I'm actually feeling great. I'm going to go retest. Hopefully, it's negative. But for me, I got lucky. I got the mild version. Thanks for asking, guys. Awesome. All right, guys. Appreciate everyone that That's all we have today. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. Stay well. See you guys next week.